Welcome to Unity of Tucson. Thinking about expansion, that's the theme, right? You, you mentioned that the theme of this month is expansion. If we are truly ready to dig into that inner love and allow that to expand in our experience, what a change this world will experience because of us. Because of us, right where we are, we have the capacity to change the entire world. So I'm going to ask you this question to start today, rhetorical how do you get up each day? Slowly. <laughs> it's not like me at 3.45 going, I'm awake now. <laughs> not for everyone. Anyone ever wake up on the wrong side of the bed? What do you do? What do you do if you wake up on the wrong side of the bed? Because here's the thing about waking up on the wrong side of the bed. What I feel, what I believe, what I teach, is that waking up on the wrong side of the bed is allowing the circumstances of the world, the effectual world, the experiences of the world, to determine my well-being. If I wake up on the wrong side of the bed, I'm saying, all of that stuff out there has effect on me. That is exactly the opposite of what we teach. What we teach in New Thought, what we teach in the Unity Movement is that we are the point from which all expression and experience flows forth. So if I ever wake up on the wrong side of the bed, what I have learned to do is to stop myself in that moment and go, wait a second, I know who I am. You've got to get up every morning with a smile on your face. <clears throat> I take that to heart. I make a different choice. You know, fundamentally, new thought is about the choices we make. It all boils down to the decisions we make, the choices we make, and how those choices will now play out in the experience of our lives. Those choices are rooted in belief because the beliefs are going to set the limit of the choice. And if we believe we are less than, what kind of choices do you think you're going to be making? You're going to be making, you're going to be making choices that support the idea of being less than. This, this philosophy, gosh darn it, takes work because we have to consistently wake up every morning and convince ourselves over and over again. That's right, I know who I am. But you know what happens is that as you do that, as you practice, as you engage in the spiritual practice, it gets easier and easier and easier until you're waking up at 3.45 a.m. on a Sunday morning going, yes. So today's focus is really allowing ourselves to come into that, that expression, knowing that it comes from within. Why does it come from within? Because of one thing, one thing only. The first two principles we teach in this philosophy are, God is, I am. There is no mistake that that was the chant today. God is, I am, right here, right now. God is, I am. God is, I am. And as Meister Eckhart said, between God and me, there is no between. God is, I am. That's all that's going on. God expressing infinitely by means of all creation, and that is who and what we are. 
We teach that the universal spirit called God creates by the means of a law of mind action. So everything that's flowing forth in our experience is the activity of our own mind. The activity of the mind equals the creation of circumstances. Period, end of sentence. That's the whole, that's the whole philosophy. That's it, right? I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to go home now. No, I'm not going home now. I still have 15 minutes on my clock. We'll see if I actually can state what I want to state in 15 minutes or if it's going to take me another 20. So, (laughs) each week, each week, I keep talking about it. I keep talking about it. It. I keep talking about it. Where does any of it come from? What is it? And how do we know life is going our way? It being inherent truth. Oh, that's how I choose to recognize it. God is inherent truth. What do you believe? Because again, I said, you may not believe everything you hear today. What I believe is that God is inherent truth. And I have allowed myself to adopt that as a point of view from which all life is creating itself in front of me and as me and through me. My life, how about you? Ultimately, all I'm ever talking about every single week, all I'm really ever talking about is our relationship as the creative power. Not to the creative power, not with the creative power, not in the creative power, but as the creative power. Because to say that I am one with God puts God out there. To say that I'm one in God has something separate that is me and God. To say that God is something to which I must bow down and worship puts God out there. That's not what we teach. In the Wednesday night class, um, which is, it's one of those, for me as a teacher of the Wednesday night class, it's one of those classes that is really like, like I come out of there vibrating every single end of class. Like the discussions are so beautifully resonant and deep. And one of the things is we are reading the book Prosperity by Charles Fillmore. And if I'm going to be totally honest, I am challenged by this book. Not because of the concepts that he teaches, but because of the language that we have adopted in reading this book that was fully acceptable at the time, but has become less acceptable now. Because here's what happens. That book is rooted in language that is dualistic in its presentation. It is putting God out there and missing that God is right here. Each and every one of us, God is, I am. So I have a little bit of a challenge with that book. And yet I have learned over my many, 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 many years of being in this movement and being a minister to be able to read the language and not let that bother me so much anymore. Because what I see and understand is the inherent truth, the infinite truth that is behind the language. Because language is a very clumsy tool to try to express anything that we're ever trying to express. It's very clumsy. So the book speaks in the language of dualism, but it's hinting at unity. Irony, right? (laughs) We teach that the presence is indwelling, and you cannot be closer to something than to have it be indwelling. 
You cannot be, no aspect of you can be any more spiritual than it is right now because 100% of you is spirit. 100% of you is God. It lives as each and every one of us. We are the expression of God's life. We are the expression of God's love. God, the infinite, is expressing itself through the individualized expression of uniqueness that is each and every one of us. And boy, I'll tell you, when I really understood that, it's hard to go back to understanding anything else. It is totally inseparable. You cannot separate God from you. It is who we are. It is not something we possess. I want you to hear that. God is what we are, not something we possess. And this is true of all creation. Every single person we encounter, whether we like them or not. I thought that would get a laugh. Every person we encounter is God, even the ones we don't like. (laughs) And you know what? I'm not here to tell you that you have to like everyone, but you do have to love everyone. I'll let you figure that out. That'll be another talk. I've talked about it before. So what I'm going to encourage all of us to do is when we leave here today, as I often do say, what happens when you walk through those doors and go back out into the real world? What I'm going to encourage each and every one of us to do is to not just talk about our belief, but to engage in the true experience of it, to lead with love, to lead with this understanding that this is who and what we are. Now, Charles Fillmore, being the evolutionary thinker that he was and is, in an unpublished talk, it's an, it, so there, there, if you, there, at the archives, you can go and see like his talk notes, and you, can, you have access to them um, at the archives. So this is, this is from an unpublished talk transcript that he gave. I have this great quote that shows he had evolved. What he wrote was this, or what he said was this. He said, essentially, that we have spoken of God in the third person. We have spoken of God in the third person and then in the second person, right? He's talking about the way that we are deepening our understanding and having a progression and an evolution and an expansion in our understanding. So we have spoken of God in the third person and then in the second person. In our present development, when he gave this talk, in our present development, we speak to God in the second person. But, I love the word but in this this instance. I don't usually like the word but. I like it in this instance. But the time is coming when we shall speak of God in the first person, for we shall displace all separation. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I get up here and say what I say every week. Yet we still, we still have discomfort in accepting this evolution of thought. I'm not going to make you raise your hands, but if you have discomfort at exclaiming the truth of yourself by saying, I am God, just check in with that. Just check in with that. Why is that uncomfortable? 
Is it because you have been taught a paradigm where God is some greater thing, and so by stating, I am God, you think that perhaps it is me saying to you, you should put yourself on a pedestal? Absolutely not. That is not what I'm saying, because when I state, I am God, I know you are God, and that becomes the great equalizer. I know who I am, I know who you are, and there can be no difference, so it eliminates discord when we know who we are. And I am a bit of an absolutist about this. Just ask anybody who, like, just ask the prayer chaplains. I am an absolutist about this. And yet I'm also willing to have my mind changed. But I haven't found anybody who's changed my mind yet. But I'm willing because I'm always on that search. That's the great thing about New Thought philosophy is that it is asking you to question it all the time. So while I am a bit of an absolutist about this, What I've discovered as an absolutist in stating that we are God is this. There is no way in that understanding to be a victim of circumstances. There is no way to shirk personal responsibility. And there is no way to deny your magnificence. When you know who you are, you got to let that other stuff go. You can no longer be a victim It it is a call to take personal responsibility and to affirm at all times the truth of your magnificence. It took me a while, I will admit, it took me a while, and I was really afraid of this idea, but as I continued to evolve and grow and accept, changed my life, it took me a while to accept my own inherent sense of magnificence, and now there is no looking back. There's no looking back. I think about past times, and in 1997, I graduated from university here at at, uh, University of Arizona from the theater department, and as all good theater students do when they graduate, they immediately move to usually one of two places, either Los Angeles or New York, because they're going to go and they're going to make their mark, right? So where do I go? I went to New York. Had I known, (laughs) had I known then what I know now, it would have been a very different story. So I went to New York thinking I was going to go there and, you know, oh, well, they're going to be so delighted to see me, right? It was all about success and acting, and I'm going to go and I'm going to take over Broadway. Um, What I realized in the years that I lived in New York is that it was an opportunity that I was really willing to take upon myself to begin to discover myself in a way that I hadn't. And so New York was a challenge. I don't know if anyone's ever lived in New York City. It's a challenge. It's a challenging place to live. And I do sometimes think, wow, if only I had ever made my way in the late 90s over to Avery Fisher Hall, (laughs) where Eric Butterworth was still lecturing every single Sunday. How different my life might have been. And as I think about the progression of my life, there were clues that were being thrown at me along the way um, that were all pointing me in the direction of accepting my own inherent sense of magnificence that I had squashed. After 9-11, I was living in New York. I was not living in New York during 9-11. I had moved away and was living in Los Angeles when 9-11 happened. And um, while I was trying to break into the film and television industry... Again, I thought they were going to just, hello, welcome. Um, (laughs) While I was trying to break in, I did a lot of temp work. And so 
uh, I, would, I was an office temp. And after 9-11, all of that work dried up. There was no work. And so I went into a little bit of fear around how am I going to pay my bills. So I got a job as a telemarketer. <clears throat> <laughs> and I apologize to any of you if you ever had to talk to me on the phone. And this telemarketing firm was in this industrial complex in Culver City. And I was out having lunch one day and talking, and uh, there were some people who were workmates of mine, and they came out and they were talking to me. And they said, um, have you ever heard of Agape? It's a church inside this industrial complex down here. I said, you, the, the way that you talk, Jonathan, we think that you might really like that. I'm like, I don't do church. <laughs> nope. I do not do church. Um, and then... Uh, I was cast in a stage production of a show called Blood Brothers, which is a big musical in London, and nobody in the U.S. ever has heard of it, pretty much. Uh, but I was cast in a production in Los Angeles of a musical called Blood Brothers, and there were members of that cast who went to the Los Angeles Church of Religious Science and kept trying to get me to come to the, to the LACRS on a Sunday, and I would say, nope, I don't do church. Not for me. And then the, 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 the number three was the one. Uh, I was cast in a production of Angels in America, which is a show that went into the NoHo Arts Center for New Thought, uh, which was a theater in North Hollywood. And uh, the production manager, no, 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 that's the house manager was telling me, oh, you know, we have our church here on Sundays. I'm like, I don't do church. But there's this really nice guy that I think you'd really hit it off with. If you want to come and meet him, I'm like, what? I'm gay and, you know, one other gay person. So you think that that's... I was like, I don't do church. Took me a while, but I finally went on a Sunday. And here's what happened. I went on a Sunday. I met a guy. He was really nice. Not for me, but I found myself. I met myself and I began to fall in love with myself because of a philosophy that I was hearing for the first time and went, oh, I get this. This resonates with my soul. This is what I have inherently believed my entire life. And there's communities that all believe this? What? <laughs> it was then I began to really embody my sense of magnificence. And this is what I encourage each and every one of us to do every single week. It is no mistake that I invite us all to say, with feeling, I am magnificent. Every single week. It's why when we introduce ourselves and meet new people, we say, you are magnificent. It is the truth of your being. You can be nothing else other than magnificent because God itself is magnificence. And so we are the outflow of that magnificence. There's always a free flow of unhindered source working for us if we are allowing ourselves to live it. It works for us by working through us and as us. It's simple. You know, the whole thing, this whole philosophy is very simple. But if you live in doubt, it's not easy to live this philosophy. I've experienced it in my own life, times in my life where doubt translated itself into negative potential, and negative potential always leads to the possibility of failure in the expression of experience of my life. Now, God doesn't understand that as failure because God always, always flows forth in exact accordance with our thoughts, beliefs, and feelings. Always. So it's never failing. God never fails. It's simply 
showing up in your life in accordance with those thoughts, beliefs, and feelings. So if your belief is in doubt and in negative potential, failure is a possibility. Fear is a possibility. As you decide here, perhaps if you choose to adopt the construct of moving beyond just I am magnificent into I am God and understand that as the truth of every single person you encounter, I guarantee you, your life will be transformed. We teach that the universal spirit called God, we teach that the universal spirit called God creates by means of a law of mind action. The best way I have found to equip myself for successful living as God is to be present as the presence. To be present as the presence. One of the tools that we teach in this philosophy for this is meditation. Meditation practice can help us move through past resistance patterns. You cannot experience the fullness of your innate God self by dwelling on the past or living in anxiety about the future. God is only found and felt in the present, in this moment. Take a breath. Let go of the past. Let go of any considerations of the future. And what are you left with? your God essence in this moment. Once we are present in this, we can fully present presence in every aspect of our lives. Being present allows us to present presence. So today, find the presence more profoundly by being present, by making it a practice. Then present yourself according to how you see yourself as the presence. Peace and blessings. You are magnificent. The homework this week. And uh, as I say every week to those who are new, I offer homework for the community to work on every single week because that's how we put the spiritual practice into practice. The homework this week, I invite you to take an hour, yes, an hour, every single day. <gasps> but, I don't have, but I don't have time. Oh. <laughs> You're welcome. Take an hour every single day to engage in some activity that feels good. I want this activity on some level to affirm your own God identity. This is an invitation for you to be present as the presence for an hour every single day. Now, you think you don't have time? I will remind you of this Zen proverb. You should sit in meditation for 20 minutes every day unless you're too busy then you should sit for an hour. (laughs) 
That's the homework. One hour every single day. Do something that feels good and affirms your God identity. What could be better homework than that? Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.